You are listening to the weekly podcast from Journey Christian Church. For more information about Journey, please check out our website at journeychristian.com. We are a community of fully devoted disciples of Jesus who reach out to love our neighbors, serve the hurting, and develop leaders for ministry. We are in this series called Made for more, where what we're doing is we're looking in light of Easter, in light of the resurrection, what we're realizing is we were made for more. We weren't made just for this life. We were made for more. We were made for eternity. And so if we're made for eternity, how do we live in this life in light of the next one? How do we make decisions? How do we think? How do we talk? How do we use our resources in light of eternity or to use them with an eternal focus? One of the things that we've challenged uh, everybody on is to fill out a spiritual bucket list. Go ahead and you could fill these out and then you, you take them home, fill them out, bring them back the next week or if you already brought yours and then hanging up both in Lake County or our Popka campus in our lobbies. These are hung up and uh, people are doing them online as well. And I just got to tell you, I love reading these and I love what God is doing in and through you. And it's cool to see the variety of how God is speaking to all of you. And I just want to share several that I read that there's so many out there and some really cool ones. Here's, here's just a couple. One of the things that people said is on their spiritual bucket list is to bring my parents to church. That's cool. Someone said to write a book. I look forward to reading it. Someone said to complete a personal Bible study. Someone else said, I want to learn how to fast for a day and then multiple days at a time. Someone else said on my spiritual bucket list is to start an orphanage. I thought, man, there's just so many cool things that God's stirring in you. And our job as the church is we just want to come around and we just want to fan the flame of what God's doing in and through you. Amen. Amen. I heard a story recently about this uh, Texas cowboy. Any Texas people in the house? Yeah. Normally you don't have to ask. They're just always loud. So um, Heard about this story of this Texas cowboy. He was getting old and he started thinking about the next life. He started thinking about him possibly dying. And so he thought, man, I need to have some life insurance. So he set up an appointment with a life insurance agent and, and he had to fill out all the, question, all the questionnaire. And then he met with the person and she said, hey, have you ever had an accident? And he thought about it. He says, no, ma'am. And she said, are you, seriously, as old as you are, you've been around, you've never had anything happen to you. You've never been hurt. And he said, oh, I've been hurt. She was confused. She said, well, tell me more. How did you get hurt? Well, this one time I was trying to catch a rattlesnake and it bit me. So I had to go to the hospital for that. Another time I was riding a wild uh, uh, bronco and it bucked me off and I broke my arm. So now she's confused and she says, well, don't you consider those accidents? I said, no, ma'am, they did it on purpose. You see, with God, there are no accidents. There's just divine appointments. Romans 8, 28 says that we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Corey Tinboom says, don't bother to give God instructions. Just report for duty. You see, this is the heart that Daniel had. This is the understanding that the life and the story of Daniel encapsulates. And that's what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about a guy named Daniel. If you have a Bible uh, from the seat back in front of you, it's on page 758. If you have your own Bible, it's on page 946. <laughs> it could be. I'm just throwing it out there. It could be. If somebody has that, just scream bingo at some point, okay? 
So Daniel is not only a person, he's also a book in the Bible. If you open up your Bible in the middle, you'll probably hit Psalms and then just take a right and you'll find Daniel. Okay. So before we get into the story, I want to give you a little bit of background. There's a guy by the name of King Nebuchadnezzar. Okay. Now the king um, is a godless. He just doesn't believe in God. He does his own thing. They have a, a lot of lowercase g gods. And what he decides to do, King Nebuchadnezzar, is he decides to come and attack Judah and capture it. Now, let me unpack what Judah is. So there was Jacob and Leah, husband and wife. They have two kids, or they have 12 kids, 12 boys. And they name them all these sets of names. And then they have, that's where Israel comes from. It's the tribe, the 12 tribes of Israel. Okay, and all of them have, were, were given property. And so it would kind of be like if, if somebody named their child Florida, okay? Florida would be the name of a son, but also a geography, a state. And that's what Judah is. Judah is a son, but it became a region. And in the heart of Judah is Jerusalem. Very, very important in the history and the context of this. And then King Nebuchadnezzar comes and captures, he attacks and captures Judah. And this is huge. And when he attacks and takes control, he takes back to Babylon a bunch of captives, prisoners, slaves that he turns them into. And at the heart of that was a teenage boy by the name of Daniel. Daniel would have been a, a teenager. He would have been like your all-American star high school student. He, he was smart. It says that he was full of wisdom, but he was also athletic. It even says that he was good-looking. Like for, for you to make scripture that you are good-looking means you are really good-looking. <laughs> like I don't know what that has to do with anything, but God's like, listen, I want people to know that he was good-looking. And he didn't say that about everybody, which makes me think, how, how, how were they on the scale? But anyways, that's a whole other story. You see, he would have been a straight-A student. He would have been from a good home. He had everything going for him. He was a bright light in a bright light region. And then he gets captured. And he gets put away into a godless place. And he went from the top to the bottom, just like that. And that's where we pick up in Daniel chapter 2. The king, King Nebuchadnezzar, he couldn't sleep. He was having these dreams and it bothered him so much that he said, hey, I'm going to get my advisors. He wanted to get his dream team to help him understand what is this dream all about? And so this would be common that they would have a group of advisors and the four groups of people that were advising him were magicians, enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers. And these were his wise men and he gathers them together. This is who we would seek counsel with. And he says, hey, I'm having this dream. I need you to tell me what it means. And the dream team says, hey, no problem, boss man. Tell us the dream and we'll tell you what it means. You see, these guys have made a living on telling the king that they could hear from their gods. The problem is their gods don't exist, so they can never actually hear from them. So they just make a bunch of stuff up. They manipulate the king. That's what they do for a living. And the king recognizes this. He said, nah, I'm not telling you the dream. If you really have divine power, you tell me my dream and then you interpret it. And the dream team goes, uh-oh, we, we got some problem. And then they said the most honest thing they probably ever said. They said, there's no human on earth that can tell you your dream. It's just not possible. At this, the king gets furious and he demands they do it. And of course they can't. And they come back and tell him that. They said, listen, we know you're angry, but we can't do it. And he says, fine, if you can't do it, I'm gonna cut up all the wise men in Babylon into pieces and then destroy their homes. Think about that. 
You ever think you had a bad day at work? Like, I remember I had a bad day at work when I was in my 20s. I was a youth pastor. My very first week on the job, I went to the student ministry. I'd never been there before. And it was a rebuilding program. And I get thrown in this thing. And we didn't have a church location. We met in a school, on a school campus. And my very first experience, that first night, a girl breaks her arm. As if that's not bad enough, we break one of the lights in the school gymnasium. As if that's not bad enough, towards the end of the evening, the security of the school brings four or five students to me and says, hey, we found these kids on top of the roof of the cafeteria. Do they belong to you? Yes, sir. I think. Yes, sir. Thank you. So my pastor, my boss, after the first night, he says, how'd it go? And I just told him, I was like, it was a train wreck, man. I'm so sorry. I felt horrible. And he smiled at me and he says, well, it sounds like it, it could only go up from here. Listen, I've had a bad day, but nobody has threatened my bad day in the office by chopping me up into pieces <laughs> and destroying my home. And so the king gets furious and he, he makes a decree. He sends out an order. He says, I want you to gather all the wise men of Babylon. You see, those four groups of people were not just individuals. They were groups of people. There were many, many of people that represented this. He said, I want you to gather them all, and I want you to kill them. I want you to execute my order. Cut them up and destroy their families. So uh, the, the main person that's in charge of this, the executioner, and his name's Arioch. Arioch, and this is when we're introduced to Daniel in this story. Arioch comes to Daniel and his group of friends. And he says, hey, basically, I'm... I'm here to kill you. If he visits you, it's not a good day. This is where we pick up in Daniel 2.14. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. I want you to think of the meanest person you know. The biggest bully, mean person, jerk, whatever it is. When you picture that person, don't you picture it like being impossible to ever talk to them? Daniel somehow, this teenage boy, somehow talks an executioner out of killing him. Doesn't just talk him out of killing him, talks him into an appointment with the king. Like, that's crazy. Talk about bold uh, for a teenager, for anybody. So he sets an appointment with the king. And this is where we pick up. Daniel goes on to tell the king that he can... Uh, or, or Arioch tells the king that he can, Daniel can interpret the dream. And so in this appointment in Daniel 2, 26 and 27, it says this, the king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no. Listen, if you ever get in front of a king and he asks for something, even if you can't do it, you always say yes. Okay. <laughs> if he's wanting to kill you, you say yes. Daniel actually believes that he can, but he tells the king no. But watch why he does it. He says, no, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. Can, can you tell me what my dream is? Unfortunately, I can't. But there's a God and he can. I love that. And so Daniel asks for time. He says, let me have some time to get away. Now you need to understand the, the dream team already had enough time, already asked for time. And he said, no. But Daniel asked for time and he says, yes, what's the difference? You see, the king could smell out the manipulation, but the, he noticed something different with Daniel. He noticed that the hand of God was on him. And so Daniel asked for time and he got it. And you know what Daniel did with his time? 
he went back, he went home and he prayed with his friends. And he prayed and he received what the, the, the mystery of the dream. And then after that, he praised God and he thanked him. And then he went to Arioch and he said, hey, listen, I need another appointment. I have the, I have the dream. And so now he's standing in front of the king. And he says, all right, the king says, tell me the dream. And this is what he tells him. He says, There's, you had a dream about this statue. And the statue was made out of all this different material. The head was gold. The, the, the chest and arms were silver and then brass and iron and then clay. And then there's this rock that was not man-made. It was a rock of divine power. It comes and it knocks the statue down. It destroys the statue so much that there's not any pieces of it less left that literally it's just rubble and it's gone in the wind, just vaporized. He said, that's the dream. The king is impressed. He said, wow, can you interpret the dream? What does that mean? He said, yeah, this is what it means. You see, each different piece of the statue represented a different superpower in history. And he said, right now you're here, you're the head, but at some point your lowercase k, kingdom, your kingdom is gonna go away and then there's gonna be another. And there's gonna be a superpower and then that's gonna go away and then that's gonna go away and then that's gonna go away. And there's gonna be this divine rock that destroys every kingdom on earth. And, and this rock will turn into a mountain that will fill the earth. And this will be the kingdom that lasts forever and ever. And I love what Daniel says in 236. This is what Daniel said. He says, this was the dream. And now we will interpret to the king. So he didn't just interpret it. He said, we, God gave the vision to only one person who Daniel, but when it's time to do it, he says, no, there's a we. Who is the we? He's talking about the people in his prayer group. And I love the humility of that. And then in Daniel 2.44, he says, in this time, as he's interpreting it, he says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it itself will endure forever. What, what does this mean? It means that every single kingdom that you and I set up, every single one will eventually be destroyed and it will be like dust in the wind. But there is one kingdom with a capital K. It's the kingdom that will last forever. You see, this interpretation wasn't just for that king. It was for all mankind as a, a prophecy to let us know all of our kingdoms at some point are going to go away. Your business, no matter how successful. Whatever it is that you pour all your energy into it, sooner, sooner or later, it's going to go away. But there's a kingdom that will always last. You see, what Daniel was doing is he was, he was telling the king, hey, listen, we're made for more. That's what he was trying to tell. That's what God was trying to tell the king. You're not made just for this life. And the king clearly lived just for this life. This is the king's response in Daniel 2.47. says, the king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries for you are able to reveal this mystery. You see, the king hears this and he's amazed. And he's like, listen, I had this dream team, but you're the only one. Clearly your God is the God of gods. And this is what he did. He was able to recognize the hand of God without surrendering his life to the hand of God. Does that sound familiar? I think you and I can often recognize the move of God without ever surrendering to it. You see, just because he knew that God was a part of his life, he, the king never surrendered as to what we see in this story to God. And then as a thank you, he gives Daniel a promotion. So you got this guy that's a teenage boy, that's a slave. Now he's the main number one advisor 
to the king. So here's three things I think that we can learn from Daniel. The first one is this. Number one thing I think we can learn from Daniel is Daniel spoke up. The man of faith confronts the head of state. Daniel 2.14, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. Listen, this takes three different things for Daniel to do this. It takes courage, it takes wisdom, and it takes tact. Sometimes we need to have the courage to speak up. I don't know what it is, but in our generation, we don't lack courage to speak up anymore. So we've already bypassed courage. We'll just tell anybody whatever we want, okay? So we have the courage to speak up. And then he says, but with wisdom intact. And I think what a lot of Christians do is we have the wisdom. We have the truth of God. And what we can accidentally do is because we have the wisdom, we think we can negate the tact. Like, listen, I know the truth. And so how I speak the truth to you doesn't really matter. That's what tact means. Let me give you a definition of tact. Tact is a sense of what to do or say in order to maintain good relationships with others. You see, it says he spoke with wisdom and tact. I want you to think about who he was talking to. He was talking to an executioner, a teenage boy with nothing, talking to the most evil person he's ever laid eyes on. Then he goes and talks to the most powerful person he's ever laid eyes on, the king. And he spoke with wisdom and tact. The most evil and the most powerful, and he won them over, not because of his wisdom, but because of his wisdom and his tact. Listen, we live in a political climate where people want to say, post, tweet, comment on anything. And I think a lot of us have the wisdom of God, but the tact of Satan. And what the world is wanting to know is, I see the wisdom, but do you have the tact of God? And when you have the wisdom and the tact, even the people that oppose you may disagree with you, but you're going to win the relationship like Daniel. When you try to win the argument, you lose the relationship. So you need to make a decision. Are you trying to win an argument or the relationship? If you try to win the argument, it will never work. If you don't believe me, watch CNN or Fox News. It never works. <laughs> don't try to win the argument. Try to win the relationship. How do we do that? With wisdom and tact. You see, as Christians, we are meant to act, not react. And we live in a reactive culture. You see, Daniel had control of his emotions. His emotions didn't have control over him. So the first thing we learn is Daniel spoke up. The second thing we learn is Daniel knelt down. When he asked for more time, Daniel 2, 17 through 19, it says this, then Daniel returned to the house, to his house and explained the matter to his friends. He urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Then Daniel praised the God of heaven. So here's the rhythm that he did. He prayed, he got rest, and then he praised. Pray, get rest, and then praise. And, and that's some, some people ask, well, what do you do on a Sabbath? And I, I would say, this is a great recipe for what to do once a week. You pray, get some rest, and then praise God. I think we can pray and praise. This can be the hard part. We pray for a miracle, but God hasn't delivered it yet, so we're not to this. How do we get rest while we're waiting on the test results? How do we sit at peace with the executioner at the door? You see, Daniel prayed, then he got some rest. And when he woke up, he praised God. I love what Tim Tebow says. He says, you may not know the future. You may not know what the future holds, but you know 
who holds the future. You see, when we're put in situations like Daniel, where things are hard or bad or difficult, our, our reaction can often be to panic. And I get it. I've been there and I feel the same thing. And many times I've panicked. But you know what panic communicates? Panic communicates hopelessness. And as Christians, we should never be hopeless. You see, we don't panic, we pray. Why? What does prayer do? Prayer is a sign of hope. That there is a God. That there is, uh, it puts things in perspective. Prayer puts things in an eternal perspective. Prayer confirms that we have hope in God. The third thing that we do is this. Daniel stepped back. Daniel spoke up. Daniel knelt down. And the third thing is Daniel stepped back. What do you mean he stepped back? Daniel 226 through 28 says, the king asked Daniel, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no, I can't, but there is a God in heaven who reveals mystery. This is what I mean. What Daniel was doing is he was taking a step back. And as Daniel was taking a step back, he was pushing his arms forward. You see what Daniel was doing is he was making himself smaller and at the same time, making God bigger. I love that. Are, are you able to interpret dreams? No, 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 but God can Hey, hey, I saw you got promoted. I saw you're successful. I saw you're this. Is it because of you? No, 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 no. It's because God. I don't know how I got this job. I don't know how I got this life. I don't know how I have this situation. I just know that there is a God and he has been so kind to me. Or do you push God back and you step forward? Yeah, I deserve this job. You know how hard I work? You know the education I have? You know this, this, and this? And you can't have two people on the front. It's either you or God. And what Daniel was so good at is he never missed an opportunity to step back and push God forward. I love that about Daniel. He reminds me of uh, John the Baptist in John 3.30. He says this, he must become greater, I must become less. I love that. So the question is, what would Daniel's spiritual bucket list be? It's a great question. Like if he was filling out one of these cards, what would he have put on there? Not just with this story, but I think his whole life, I think this is what he would say is on his spiritual bucket list. I think his goal would have been to be a bright light in a dark world. You see, he was a bright light in a bright region and then got taken away as a light to a dark place. And I think his goal every step of the way was to remain a bright light for the world to see in a dark place. And it worked. Matthew 5, 14 and 16 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I think that's the story of Daniel. But there's a good friend of mine, George and Margarita. It's not just Daniel's story. I think it's, it's their story as well. Listen to this. We are George and Margarita Rivera. We are the owners of Doc Watts Electric. We have been in business going on 18 years and we have been members of Journey since 2013. Our business right now um, in these 18 years, we feel that God has been alongside us the entire time. So because of the blessings, you know, that we feel that we have received, we try to do mission work and um, we try to uh, incorporate those things in how we run our business. The first mission trip that we did was 2016, mm -hmm. right from the church here, we went to Kazakhstan. And the goal then was to build this playground 
And I told the people there, it was raining and stuff in the last days. So I'm not leaving this country until we build this playground. And sure enough, the whole team got out there. But I was able to work with the, one of the kids. His name was Daniel. He was a Russian kid. He ended up going to my room, giving me a hug, and says, thank you in English. And I tell you, instantly, I mean, I, it, it rocked me. It rocked me. Some, something, that moment, something happened. And I said, there's something I can provide. We can provide better in this world. Mm -hmm. And then right after that, we, I went, we went to Haiti. I went to Costa Rica the next couple of months later. Guatemala, ended up in the Bahamas. With our company, we literally, essentially, you know, provide lighting for customers. And so you think about, we're like, man, you know, we can turn this into a spiritual lighting where we can show people God's light. So the goal, the vision to light up the world is to provide resources, counsel, uh, funding. Uh, the, my goal is to have every electrician uh, in Central Florida, whatever, to go on mission trips. Yeah, we're going to Ecuador uh, in July, and two of our employees are coming with us. So um, we're excited because we know um, how impactful that's going to be for them. And so we're just, you know, excited and happy that this is what we're doing and, and we're just going to keep doing it. I tell people the story, I don't know, maybe I'm rambling on. And before we'd done the mission trip, I bought my wife an Escalade. $80,000 vehicle. Right after that, we've done these 2016s when the cars are standing. That vehicle, it loses value daily. But when you serve and you, you help others, it filled, when I got the hug, it filled my heart. Like there's no other. Literally, we just spend that much money. I said, we should have done, used that money for something else. And that's exactly what we're doing now. What we're trying to do is exhaust our resources. You know, I'm not going to the grave with anything on my tank. I'm going to be on E when I'm done. And I hope everybody does the same. Our spiritual bucket list is to light up the world. That's pretty cool. I think sometimes we think if if I'm going to do something for God, I got to leave the marketplace and, and go to the church. Well, the church is everywhere. God put you where you're at for a reason. You don't need to leave the marketplace. Just turn the marketplace into a sanctuary. You see, George and Margarita, they learned that they were made for more. And so they have this vision called light up the world. And I got to see it firsthand before I ever met George and Margarita. I actually went to Guatemala without them. I was on a different trip and, and I had to, I didn't have to. I went to a remote island. We had to go by boat and then we took a long walk. And finally, I'm in this place, this village, and it's all these old huts. And I'm going from hut to hut to hut. And every single hut in the middle of nowhere has electricity. Blown away to hut. And I'm like, hey. My man, this doesn't make sense. How y'all getting electricity? And they said, oh, you don't know about George. I said, no, tell me about George. And they said, well, someone from your church, a guy named George, 
he has this vision to light up the world. And he, come and he, he came and he gave us electricity and told us about this man named Jesus. And Jesus has been lighting up our world ever since. Isn't that cool? Some of you may, you may recognize Doc Watson. You're like, I can't. Why do I recognize that? Because he brings his big trucks and a lot of his staff every serve day. And they come and serve. And they use their trucks to take debris to the junkyard. He's doing everything he can because he understands he was made for more. I wonder, what's, what's God calling you to put on your spiritual bucket list? Where is he whispering to you? And calling you uniquely and individually. So I want to encourage you, prayerfully consider this, this next week. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for George and Margarita. Thank you um, that I saw their ministry before I ever met them. And now they're my buddies. And I'm grateful for them. I'm grateful for how they encourage and inspire me to live more in light of eternity. I love the line. God, would you help us all to do what George says? We don't want to die with a full tank. We want to die on E. We want to have left it all on the line for your glory. And so God, would you help us to live in light of eternity? Would you help us to live knowing that we were made for more? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the weekly podcast from Jordy Christian Church. If this message was a blessing to you, be sure to click the follow button and share it with your family and friends. For more information about Jordy Christian Church, please go to jordychristian.com.